Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. The sermon, I mean the series title is called Say What? Say What? And, uh, and we'll be talking about words, and, and this morning's topic is words matter, the things that we say have an, have a, an impact, and uh, we'll be looking at this in greater depth through the coming weeks. Some of us were taught some of the basic fundamental truths, biblical truths, when we were growing up. Um, we were taught about some of the scriptures that are important for our lives, and and uh, I, was taught, I was brought up in a church um, when I was younger until I was probably about 15 or 16. We went to church on a pretty regular basis. That seemed to tail off as I got older and then uh, stopped going to church for a while. Then at uh, around 25, 26, I really felt in my heart that I needed to come back to the Lord. So I started going back to church and uh, rededicate my life to the Lord and things like that. But I was taught that I shouldn't murder, I shouldn't steal, I shouldn't lie, that I should honor and not disrespect uh, adults and things like that. But there were some principles and truths that I was never taught. And I found that there are a lot of Christians that haven't been taught some of these important principles and truths. And uh, I didn't know, for instance, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit at the church that I went to. And, uh, of course, I was younger, and, and I didn't know all, the, all of the things that were going on behind the scenes. But I know that there was a pastor, and from what I understand, he got filled with the Holy Spirit at our church. He was the pastor of our church, and he left. <laughs> and, and I, you know, again, I don't know what happened there, but I remember hearing some grumblings and talking about that. And, and I think that probably what happened was that he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we are changed. And he was removed, or, or he left, and, you know, frankly, it was a pretty dry church. They needed the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't taught about the Holy Spirit, other than, you know, well, these people talk in tongues, and it's a weird thing, and, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't taught about the spiritual gifts that the Lord gives to us that are really important, that we need to know about the spiritual gifts. We need to know what our spiritual giftings are so that we can have those developed in our lives and so that we can walk in those giftings. And uh, so we're talking about uh, setting up trimesters for the small groups, and, and that's one of the things that I'd like to see us do is have a small group that talks about the gifts of the Spirit maybe an evaluation of, of, of the people in the class to know what their giftings are and then to help people to, to walk in their giftings. I didn't know, I wasn't taught that the first of our increase belongs to the Lord. I mean, I, I was given, you know, when I go to Sunday school, I was given a dollar and put in the, in the bucket, but I didn't know the principle behind that. I didn't know anything about tithing. I didn't know anything about first fruits. Uh, uh, I wasn't taught that we're to take a Sabbath. Now, when we were going to church, we would go to church on Sunday morning and we would come back and it was really a day just like any other day. It wasn't really a day dedicated to the Lord. And I'm not saying that we have to pray for five hours or anything like that. 
But really, it was just another day. We didn't go to school or we didn't go to work. We went to church and then came home, and it was just a day like any other day. Um, I wasn't even really taught about having a personal, authentic relationship with the Lord. Was not really, that wasn't emphasized. Now, many of you know that when I was almost four, I was still three, but I was almost four, I had an older brother that was seven, and he drowned. And I witnessed that. I was there when that happened. Now, my dad was probably about 33 at the time, and my mom was probably about 30 years old. And uh, I believe that they had a, a personal relationship with the Lord. And I believe that as a three-year-old, or almost a four-year-old, I think that I had some grasp or understanding of that. But um, my mom said she would wake up in the middle of the night, my dad would be gone. He wasn't at the bars. He wasn't carousing around. He was at the temple. He, he would go to the church, and they had a little chapel there, and he would go there and pray. And I, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a child. And uh, seven years old, and, and my mom was there and when all this happened. And, and I guess I was kind of just left on my own to figure it out. Because my parents, I'm sure they were struggling to, to navigate through what had happened. And, and I, I can't even begin to imagine all the thoughts that were going through their minds. Again, my mom was probably 30 years old, my dad 33. And they had their hands full just trying to, trying to navigate through the challenges of that. And, and raising this little uh, three-year-old boy, four-year-old boy, I had a lot of medical issues that were going on. So they had a lot of things on their platter. And I believe that they were... Well, let me say it this way. I've seen, uh, when I was in high school, I had some friends that were killed in a car accident. And I saw the parents and the family of uh, some of the children that were killed, and they were Christian. And I saw how they were able to handle that loss, the devastation. They lost two, two sons in that, that accident. Actually, and there was another family that was a Christian. They lost a son. And then there was another family that lost a daughter. And and they weren't Christian. And you could see the difference on how they were able to handle this situation, this grief, this terrible tragedy that had happened in their lives. And so I think whenever we go through something like that, if we have a relationship with the Lord, we're going to be drawn into that. We know where we can go for peace and solace. And if we don't have that, you know, we're just kind of lost. And I saw that demonstrated there. But I think that through the, the loss of my brother, I think it really drew us all as a family into a closer, deeper relationship with the Lord because I think that's the only way you can really get through something like that. So uh, a personal, authentic relationship wasn't really emphasized at the church that we went to. I think we kind of found that on, their own, on our own through the events that were taking, on around, taking uh, place around us. But I guess that... Church was really more of a social thing, more than spiritual. And I don't, I don't think that the pastors at the church were horrible pastors or horrible people. I think they just didn't know. I don't think they were ever taught about the depth of the Word and, and taught some of these things about the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit and the giftings. And, and so you can't teach someone if you don't know. And so we're blessed that we have an understanding of those things and that we want to grow in our relationship with the Lord and uh, so uh, the other thing is I was never taught about the power of our words 
Now, my grandmother, who was very influential in my life, but was racist, <laughs> she was a good woman, but she was brought up to be racist, but she would tell me things like, honey, if you can't say something nice about someone, don't say anything at all. And, I, and she was a Christian, but the culture that she was brought up in, you know, was, was not... Uh, it, well, it was racist. I mean, I'll, I'll just say that. When, when I was going to get married to Christine, she said, well, honey, now, now blue birds and red birds don't fly together. <laughs> I said, well, this white bird and this brown bird is going to fly together. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I said, you know, that, that's the way it is. I love her and uh, prayed about her. I feel like she's the one for me, and I'm not looking at color. So anyway... Um, the, this, this topic today, this series is called Say What? Say What? Say what? Words matter. So let's, before we jump in here, let's look at our mission statement. I, I want to recite this every month just so it stays fresh. Come on, you know it. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And the vision or the outcome from our mission is to Become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. That is our target. That is our goal. And I think that's what, I think that's what the global church needs to, to respond to. Is it about this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, which I wasn't really taught about um, from the pulpit. So my first point this morning is our words are important. Let's look at Proverbs 18. 21 it says the tongue can bring death or life those who love to talk will reap the consequences so death and life are in the power of the tongue so what are we speaking over ourselves what are we speaking over each other what are we speaking over our marriage what are we speaking over our situations on April 11th in the, in the Now series, I talked about God's purpose. And I gave us a challenge. And the challenge was, let's hold each other accountable in speaking kindly to and about one another. The, and the key word for busting someone is busted. And I know that uh, that has had an impact because uh, I busted people. I've been busted. If we would, and, and we've done that kind of in a joking way, but listen, if we would speak kind words, blessings over one another instead of curses, if we would speak life over one another instead of death, if we would speak encouraging words over one another. Now, I'm not saying that we never have an authentic relationship where we can't have some truth-telling. I, I remember with my former pastor, we used to have truth-telling sessions. And usually what that meant is I went into his office and he told me some truths. Some of them were good. Some of them I knew, but I really didn't want to hear. Do you ever, do you ever go there? You, maybe your spouse says, honey, I want to talk to you. And you're like, oh, great. What do I do now? Or your boss calls you in and says, hey, uh, can, I, can I talk to you for a few minutes? You know, I get this from some of you. It's like uh, the pastor wants to talk to you. Oh, no, we're going to the pastor's office. <laughs> I don't know why. Most of the times it's good, you know. But we have this concept of, of it's always going to be bad if someone wants to speak into our life. But so I want to encourage us to continue to do that because if we're thinking, if we're held accountable to one another, maybe we'll change the way that we, we talk to one another and change the way that we think sometimes and things like that. So 
Words are important. And uh, when we go back to Genesis, we see that God spoke everything into existence. He said, let there be light. Go back and look in Genesis. He spoke, let there be light, three days before he created the sun and the moon and the stars. And, and so God spoke everything into existence, and we are created in God's image. Our words matter. We are not God. Okay, we can't speak things into existence. I can't speak a red Corvette in the driveway right there. It's not going to happen. But we, we do have uh, an impact with the words that we say. Our words matter. Satan cannot create anything except, I was thinking about this, except maybe dissension and division. And he, you know how he does that? Through our words, through us, working through us. Because he cannot create anything, but he can pervert everything. He tries to pervert everything. And so one of Satan's greatest tools are our tongue, the words that come out of our mouth. And he will attempt to pervert every godly thing that he can. Have you ever... uh, Heard someone say, or have you ever thought to yourself, well, God can't really love me. Well, God, you know, I I know that God forgives everybody else, but I don't think he really forgives me for that. I mean, do you know how terrible that was that I did? Do you know what I said? Can God really forgive me of those things? And and so many times uh, the enemy will try to manipulate Scripture and God's intent and character. Think about what he told uh, Eve in the garden. Did God say you, you could not eat of any of the trees in the garden? No, that's not what he said. He said you can eat of all the trees except this one. And so, uh, you know, there, uh, the enemy will manipulate us. And, and even, you know, unfortunately, I've even seen this in the church where the church will try to manipulate people. Think about the name it and claim it. Well, if you name it and claim it, you're going to get it. The pro- this whole prosperity message that's been exported from the church in the West to the world. That, that's not God's character. You know, this whole thing about if you send money and tell God what you want, then He's got to do it. No, He doesn't. We don't manipulate God. We, we shouldn't manipulate one another. It's a, dis, it's a distortion of His Word. Yes, God wants us to, to be blessed. And yes, God wants us to return the first of our increase to Him so that He, he promises to bless us supernaturally. Why wouldn't, we, why wouldn't we want to know that? I've heard, had people come up and say, well, it must be hard for you, Pastor, to teach on tithing. I said, it's not hard at all. Because it's a biblical truth and principle. And when we understand that, we are blessed. Not because we are giving to get, but because it's God's Word. And that's just one of His principles. But we've t- we take things and we distort them. You know, you think about Jesus. He didn't always heal everybody the same way. Because we would make that a, a tradition. Okay, you've got to spit in the dirt and put it on their eyes. If that was the only way he healed, the church would take that and run with that. We'd be selling bags of dirt and probably spit too. And so, you know, we have to look at the Word of God. We have to be open to Him and what He's telling us and not distort His Word. Our theology should be based on the Bible, not twisting the Bible to fit our theology and what we want the Scriptures to say. What does the Word say? You know, I was thinking that uh, 
One of the, the hard things about being a pastor is when you're teaching people the truth. You're giving them the Word. And they refuse, continually refuse to obey what the Lord's telling them to do. But you know what? It's not my responsibility to make sure that you do what God tells you to do. I've got my platter full with just making sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But it is my responsibility to teach you the truth, teach you the Word, train and equip you and help you. But then we're all responsible for our own actions and what we do with the Word and what God has called us to do. Um, so there is a perversion of the Word. There is a twisting of the Word. But the balance of that is that we, there is power in the things that we say. So we need to be speaking what the Lord is telling us to say. We need to be hearing from the Lord, and we need to be speaking those things, not necessarily what we want, but what the Lord is telling us to say, and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. That's why it's so, so bad that uh, you know, many of us weren't taught about the Holy Spirit. Many of us weren't taught that that uh, he, the Holy Spirit is not some weird, kooky spirit that possesses you and you grab the mic at Walmart and start preaching or, you know, or, or something like that. But He's come to lead us and guide us into all truth. And it's, it's, it's hurtful that so many Christians reject the power that, that could make us whole and lead us and guide us. Because of, you know, perversion or because of some of the kooky things we've seen. So, on the other hand, although we can pervert the things and, and we can, that we say, uh, we do have power. There's power in our words and what we say. So, we need to ask according to God's desires. Listen, His desire is a personal relationship with us more than making us rich or buying us a Corvette. I mean, if he, if he wants to give us a Corvette, that's fine, right? But that should not be our focus. We don't give to get. We give to honor God, reflect His heart, and obey Him. And we know that He honors us when we do what He asks us to do. Whether that be in giving. Whether that be in taking a Sabbath. And I've shared very openly and honestly with you that taking a Sabbath is very difficult for me. I'm a workaholic, I guess. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm a workaholic. <laughs> and, and so, you know, but it has to be a determination in my life. I have to schedule that. I have to schedule that. And so whatever it is, we're, we all have different challenges. But He desires a personal relationship with us. And so when we ask for things, are we asking in accordance with His will, with His purpose, His plan? So, my first point is our, our words are important. My second point is our words connect us to God. So, we spend time in prayer. We spend time uh, corresponding with the Lord from the standpoint of we're listening to what He's saying through the Holy Spirit. But yet, the Word says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and present our petitions to Him with thanksgiving. Right? And so, it's a two-way street. Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 1-5, through 5, and then verse 14. Getting the Word already existed. The Word was God and the Word was with God. So we know that in, we haven't gotten to verse 14 yet, but we know that he's talking about Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. 
Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Who's he talking about? The Word. He's talking about Jesus. Uh, he created, uh, God created everything through him. Who? The Word. Jesus. Everything was created through him and nothing was created except through him. He's still talking about the Word, Jesus. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the Word, in verse 14, so the Word became human and made His home among us. So clearly we see that Jesus is the Word, that He created everything, that every, nothing was created except by Him and through Him, and uh, His light brought light to everyone, and the darkness can never extinguish the light. So, uh, verse 14 continues. Let me read all of 14. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So we were separated by God from sin, right? And Jesus is the Word and He is the bridge. He is the, he's the way to the Father, the way back to the Father. He is the bridge between us and God. We receive and declare our relationship with Jesus. We receive this, and then we declare it. And uh, one of the, the things that, that's important is that when we become a Christian, is that we let people know. Not to be, you know, braggadocious or anything, but we, sh we need to let people know that we have been saved. And we need to really examine that by the way, or example that by the way we go out and live it right that's going to speak but Paul tells the Romans in Romans 10 8 through 10 verse 13 as well he's talking to the Romans uh, the, the early church there and teaching them how to be saved in Romans 8 10 8 Romans 10 8 he says in fact it says the message is very close at hand and it is on your lips and on your heart it's on our lips and on our heart as we're sharing the gospel the hope of Christ in, in Revelation it says, And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Our testimony is important. Our testimony is not some religious speech, but it's simply telling people what God has done or what's, what God is doing in our lives. Because that's what people need to, to know. Is, hey, how, what's happened to you? How, how did you come to this place? Did you go to church every day for six months? And No, no, no. It's about this relationship that I have with Jesus. And let me tell you what He's done. Let me tell you how that's worked in my life. It's going to look different in your life. The things that God is doing in my life are going to be different. And there's a dynamic. Our life is always changing. We always have things going on. But he says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart as we share the hope and the love of Christ. And verse 8 continues, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't know about you, but when, uh, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, I was excited, man. 
I was letting people know. Because all that weight, all that stuff that I had been dragging around with me was now gone. It was liberating. I was free. Why wouldn't I let somebody know? (laughs) It was good news for me. And it's good news for all of us. What we believe in our hearts comes out of our mouths. Have you ever said something you're like, oh no, why did I say that? Man, that's an ugly dress you have on today. Oops. <laughs> I mean, you look good, but you know, this is not a good color. And then you just try to back your way out of it and you end up digging a deeper hole, right? But what we say is a reflection of what's in our heart. Now, sometimes that's really good, right? Sometimes it's like, wow, that's in my heart. I didn't realize that. Lord, would you help me? Our words reflect our heart. Now, I want to go to to Matthew chapter 12, but the Pharisees accused Jesus of casting out demons by Satan's power. They said, oh, you're casting out these demons by the power of, of Satan. So let's look at what Jesus says. And Matthew 12, 31-37. So I tell you, every sin of, uh, and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. That's interesting because he's saying anyone that speaks against Jesus, me, can be forgiven. Well, let's read on what he says here in, in verse 32. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. And so, you know, I think we've all maybe thought or, or people have come and said, well, you know, I think I've, I've uh, committed the unpardonable sin. I've spoken against the Holy Spirit. I really believe that the only way that we can speak against the Holy Spirit is when we have a hardened heart. And I think if the fact that you're here, the fact that you're watching online indicates that your heart is not so hard that you're unreceptive or you're not seeking after God. But... Um, you know, I think it has to be a deliberate thing. And, and these religious leaders didn't have the heart of God. Their hearts were hardened toward God because they weren't reflecting His character. Verse uh, Matthew twelve thirty three: A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a, if a tree is bad, the fruit will be bad. So God has told us that we can be fruit inspectors We're not judging necessarily, but we're looking at the fruit in our lives. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's the first part, uh, element of the, the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Are we demonstrating love? The last... uh, The last uh, word there is self-control. Are we demonstrating self-control in our life? Are we controlling our tongue? (laughs) The Bible says that it, it's almost impossible to, to, to tame the tongue. So what are we speaking forth? And as we're judging fruit, are we looking in the mirror and saying, wow, I've got good fruit. Oh, there's some rotten fruit right there. Let's, let's get rid of that thing. Let's chop that off and get rid of it. So a tree is identified by its fruit. And so are we as Christians. Not just by one another, but by the Lord. What is the fruitfulness in our life? If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. And then he really gets on the Pharisees. He says, you brood of snakes, 
How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? These are the religious leaders that he's talking to. And he's saying, you have missed it. You have really missed it. He goes on to say, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So they were not open to receiving Jesus. They, they knew the Messiah was coming, and yet he was there before them, but they rejected him. He goes on to say, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day of every idle word you speak. Wow. I don't know about you, but that makes me stop and say, ooh. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Because we've all said a lot of idle words. He goes on to say in verse 37, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. And I think Jesus is really hammering down on the Pharisees and he's saying, this is a warning. You better be careful. You better be careful about what you're saying, about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Don't do it. I'm not casting out demons according to uh, Satan. He even says, what about the people that cast out demons? But you know, how are they doing it? But he says, don't blaspheme in the Holy Spirit. And so we need to uh, you know, understand that The Holy Spirit is part of the triune of God. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will reflect Him and speak the things that, that Jesus tells Him to speak. The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And so that, that's why I think it's so bad that, that I didn't know growing up in church about the Holy Spirit. Because we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus laid down his life, his divinity, and, and uh, lived by his humanity, speaking through the Holy Spirit. And we will give an account for every word we say. But the Lord says when we get saved, he will remember our sins no more. So we, again, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and present our petitions to him and say, Lord God, forgive me. Our words are important. Our words connect us to God. And my third point is our words connect us to others. Proverbs 18 that we just talked about. The power of life and death is in the tongue. I've considered whether I should say this. Is, you know, it's not appropriate for a pastor to cuss in church. It's not appropriate to cuss at all. But I was thinking about some of the words that I've said. I was thinking about some of the words that I've heard. We had a neighbor. One of her favorite sayings was, damn it to hell. Please, I'm not trying to be offensive here, okay? But I'm just telling you what she would say. And she'd say, damn it to hell. And, and when I heard that, I thought, wow. When we damn something, what are we saying? Why would we damn something? Even worse, why would we damn someone? Do, do we realize what we're saying? I think we don't because sometimes we just say these words without any regard or any thought about what we're actually saying. 
I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend and, and uh, we had a, you know, we had some connections there because he was a drummer, he was in band, he was in the, uh, he played drums in band and he, he also played a drum set. He, his father had a, <laughs> had a country band, country western band. So he played drums in his band. And I remember going home uh, with him one day after school. We were hanging out after school. He walks into the kitchen, opens up the fridge, pops open a beer. Hey, you want a beer? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. I mean, we were like 16 or 17 years old. <laughs> so I don't think this guy had any history of, of Christianity in, in his family or anything. But, uh, uh, but he, would, he, would use, he would say GD. And I would say, man, Robert, you shouldn't say that. And he said, well... That's, that's, probably, that's probably not as bad as the F word, is it? And he didn't say the F word. He said the word, right? He said, well, that's probably not as bad as that. And I said, no, it, it is worse. I mean, you shouldn't say anything. You shouldn't say, use any of those words. But GD is, is, you know, you really shouldn't say that. And, and so I was thinking about this word, damn. And, I, I, you know, I'm going to have a transparent, authentic, honest moment. That's been one of the words that I've said a lot. And, and I've repented from that and, and I'm, you know, asked the Lord to, to help me in my mouth and the things that I say. And so I've repented of that. But, you know, we need to think about the words that we're saying. And there's, we get disconnected from others by the things that we say. A bad mouth can lead to a bad marriage. A good mouth can lead to a good marriage. And so what are we speaking over our marriages? You may have the exact spouse you've spoken over. I mean, your spouse may have become what you have spoken over your spouse. Oh, you're lazy. You won't get up. All you do is go fishing or you go hunting or you watch TV. You're no good. Don't you ever clean the house? Don't you ever do the laundry? Don't you ever... What are we speaking over our marriages? What if we speak good things? What if we speak positive things? Well, my husband, he does a great job on washing the car. We got the cleanest car in the neighborhood. Let me tell you how good of a job my husband does at cleaning the car. Find something that we can encourage one another in instead of tearing one another down. The words that we speak have the power of life and death. What are we speaking over one another? I've seen people put their spouse down in, in front of others. Don't do that. Don't disrespect one another. Are we speaking God's words? Are we speaking life and blessings? I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and, and God is speaking to your heart. And maybe you've walked away from the Lord or maybe you've never had a relationship with Him. 
And He's beckoning you today. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? If you're, if you're in this room, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you right there where you are. Anybody here this morning? Maybe you're watching online and you would say, that's me. Just say the simple prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this new day. And I, I pray that you would just bring the Word alive when I read the Scriptures. Bring your Holy Spirit alive in my hearing. Develop my sensitivity to hearing your Holy Spirit. And help me to begin this new beginning, Lord. I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh start. Thank you for forgiving me for all my sins, and I receive you today. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to pray one more prayer. Lord God, I pray for the power and the fire, the love, the presence of your Holy Spirit to wash over them, that they would have a greater sensitivity to you in this new beginning, this fresh start. And that even now, they would tangibly feel your presence in a way that they've never experienced you. Lord, I thank you for this in Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it!